Ladies and gentlemen, the Minnesota Vikings of 2022 are the new Cardiac Kids. If you remember that reference, congratulations. You know how stressful this season has been. My name is Tyler Fornis, and welcome to The Real Forno Show. We're going to talk about the why behind the Vikings' NFL record 11 one-score wins. We're also going to talk about the Green Bay Packers, the matchup at Lambeau Field, and how everything correlates to a Vikings playoff run. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope you had a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, and a joyous Kwanzaa that starts today. My name is Tyler Fornitz, and with me, as always, producer Dave Boom. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Had a good holiday. Hope yours was as well, and same to all our viewers. You know what, Dave, it was pretty good, and we're going to start off by talking about how good it started, and that was the fact that On the Christmas Vikings Eve. won a, Oh, they won another game, and let me tell you, <sighs> stressful. Um, the Vikings end up pulling out a win 27-24 over the New York Giants, and one of the tough parts about that, Dave, was, man, they just cannot pull away from a team. And there are so many reasons why they're unable to pull away. But one thing that was really impressive to me, the resilience. And that's kind of one of the themes of today's show. And let's start off by talking about that final drive. All right. The Vikings go up eight, which I want to point out that the Vikings should have gone for two there. I agree. To get a touchdown, you go up seven. There's less than like five minutes left in the game. You go for two to make them score twice. And if you don't get it, it's a touchdown and an extra point. No big deal. Should have gone for two, and they didn't. And that, to me, was a little disappointing, especially with how forward-thinking this staff has shown that they have been and then they, that they want to be. The fact that they weren't willing to do that, to me, was very frustrating. And I, I honestly think Kevin O'Connell was a little confused on that because he said if he'd gone for two and missed, then all – the Giants would have to do is score a touchdown. And it's like, uh, no. They still would have been seven points up. Go for the two. Go up nine points. That's two scores. There's no way. It's a dagger. It's done. But like I said, I think he was a little confused. If he, mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. I even said it during the show. Go for two. You want to go up by nine instead of eight. Yeah, and you know what? It's one of those things where, hey, it happened. Let's learn from it. Let's be better for it. But the fact that they did that, the Giants came out, seven-play drive, only took 59 seconds and scored the game-tying touchdown and two-point conversion with 2-0-1 left on the clock. Very frustrating, but at the end of the day, the Vikings are playing with a defense that's, look, it kind of is what it is that the pass rush isn't getting home. You're playing with subpar corners. You just are. Patrick Peterson's had a great season for what he is, but at the end of the day, he's still a 32-year-old Patrick Peterson, and there are limitations built in, and that's just something that you have to understand. Duke Shelley played pretty well, 
but he's still Duke Shelley, and you don't want him starting on your football team. You want to have him on your roster, but you don't want him to be a major major contributor. He came up big at the end with some nice plays, but PFF loved all him these, this week. And they loved him last week, too. Big thing, though, they're not communicating well enough on the back, and they're not disguising these coverages enough. They were doing very well in the first half, mixing things up, blitzing, trying to mess with people. Did a great job of it, Dave. Well, not so much in the second half, and to me that was the most frustrating thing. They got really stagnant. They kind of fell back to their old patterns, and here's what we have. We have a Giants team who, in seven plays, marched down the field, scored a touchdown with in only 59 seconds. That's just kind of what you're dealing with here. And to me, it's it's a really frustrating element. But let's talk, let's move forward to the, the final drive, Dave, because I think that has a lot of talking points. Kirk Cousins, for all the positive that we have talked about with him on this show, for all the things that he has done well, for how he's improved his way of playing, for how he's improved his thinking, it felt like we had some regression there in in that Giants game. He was not comfortable in the pocket. He was not sensing pressure at all. His internal clock was atrocious. And you saw that. He took a bad sack on that last drive. And then Justin Jefferson had to bail him out the 17-yard tunnel screen to set up a 61-yard field goal attempt. I don't know about you, Dave, but I'm willing to venture that you would agree with me here in saying, Playing for a 61-yard field goal with two minutes left is not exactly good process. No, it's not. It's not optimal. No, it isn't. But I'm glad he pulled it off. Hey, Kirk Cousins didn't have his great day, greatest of days. Some of his passes were off uh, by quite a bit. And we've seen that all season. However, like you mentioned, the brain rewrite where he's being able to to get aggressive has helped. It has helped in the fact that the Vikings have 11 come from behind, or what is it? 11 one score victories. And how many come from behind? Eight, nine, and seven, it's eight. No, it's eight. He tied the record with Stafford. It's eight. Oh, it's um, eight now. Okay. Fourth quarter comebacks. It's eight. He's tied the record. If he gets one more in the next two games, he beats the record, which is not a great record, but that, that, a lot of that says more to our defense than it does to the offense. But he's he's not as accurate to me, eyeball-wise, as normal. However, when the pressure rank cranks up, for the most part in the fourth quarter, he is. He is laying balls where they need to go. Great anticipation. He had to throw early this last game against the Giants because of all that blitzing pressure. I doubt we'll see that sort of pressure anymore going on. We'll see some good defenses, but I doubt we're going to see a blitz rate like the Giants do. Most teams do not blitz at that high rate. And it should be I still I still like what I'm seeing. The fact that the defense can pull out the big play when they need it. Uh you talked about Patrick Peterson getting old. He got beat on a double move. But yet again, Patrick Peterson called a shot and said, I'm getting an interception on this on this drive, and he did. Uh, the turnover by Asamoah, where he strips the ball, grabs the ball, and he's good. I love that. That's Those things on the defense, if they can keep that up and improve a little bit, I don't think we have to worry about all these comebacks. At least I hope not, 
and then eventually we'll put together that good game. But we're going to need that from our defense because overall they're not special. Um, if we had a better backfield, well, who was it? Luke Braun, friend of the show, said uh, if there's a better defensive backfield, Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter would have 50 <clears throat> sacks. It's it is what it is. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bitch about Kirk Cousins. Not this season. He has done what I've always asked him to do, and that's uh, play with his heart, take chances, and not be that ro- robot, you know. Mm-hmm. And then pad his stats with the two yard checkdowns. I'm happy. See, with uh, so I'm not necessarily unhappy with his performance, Dave. I just think we have to at least acknowledge that his pocket presence just was not there to where it has been previously. What he has set his standard to be. And there was a noticeable impact on how the game flowed because of that negative pocket presence. Um, let's kind of tie this in because Raymond asked a nice question. How come this year, according to Pro Football Reference, Kirk has been hit the most and sacked at career high? So does he not get points for standing tall in that fact? He is tied for comebacks. Raymond, he absolutely gets points for it. And I think I, – I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like by the tone of that question – you are possibly misunderstanding how I'm how I'm kind of phrasing this. He was not great against the Giants. Overall, that's a whole different story. So I'm I'm kind of talking in a micro sense, just this one game. I think he was not great in the pocket this one game as far as his overall pocket presence. He has overall been pretty dang good this season. And he stood tall in a lot of times with a lot of throws and made throws that he would not have made last year. And he gets all the credit for that. But because we're talking about the Giants game, that's kind of why I'm bringing it up. And it's not necessarily an insult. It's just understanding what you're seeing and being willing to have that conversation, which he just wasn't that good in the pocket on Saturday. You know what? They were able to overcome it and win the football game. And to me, that's the most important thing. It is. Um, And generally when he gets a lot of pressure and hit early, he tends to speed things up or he goes into his shell. That was previous years. He just, oh no, somebody's here tuck and fall, right? He's not doing it this season, and I like that. Now, he did speed up the throws on Saturday, but he still kept it enough to where he was connecting. And we're going with longer throws now, Clifford. You don't get 299 yards with two-yard two checkdowns. That's They're waiting for routes to develop, and that's a good thing. That's a real good thing. If uh, if he was as accurate as maybe he was last year or the year before, we maybe be looking instead two ninety nine at three ninety nine on that type of deal. But he's not. I don't care. The big deal is he's winning. People are following him. He's <clears throat> leading. These are things we'd all wanted, and they're happening. And I couldn't be more happier. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's a good thing. Like this this team and how they're playing, uh, especially as we kind of talk about the quarterback position, it's it's a 100% net positive. Um and we've seen that improvement. And one thing I want to talk about Dave, um I want to call out Joseph for having a shot of Buffalo Trace. Feel free to send some <laughs> to me. Um I have plenty you can't of Buffalo, get Buffalo Trace Buffalo Tree Trace in Minnesota. It's very difficult. It's very hard to come by. I have really? a bunch, but um, I want, I'm trying to find Eagle Rare um, so I can have a bottle of that. 
I also desperately want a bottle of the Weller Antique uh, collection. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is tremendous. And, oh, you basically have to kill somebody to get it up here. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, but let's let's talk about Mary asked. Um, talk about the alien. He just didn't seem to be at 100%. Kevin O'Connell has talked about in his press conferences wanting to rotate players in and out of the lineup um, to keep guys healthy and give them some rest. Thielen is one of the few veterans this year. I, I Actually, I think it's only been Adam Thielen that has gotten a rest day in practice, and he's gotten a couple of them. Um, I think Thielen is banged up. I also think Thielen is nowhere near what he was in his heyday. We remember Thielen as the 1B to Stephon Diggs. Thielen mm-hmm. is not a 1B to Justin Jefferson. He is a 2. And he may very well be a 3 here soon. Mm-hmm. And that's that, it's honestly a tough pill to swallow. We love Adam Thielen. We love the story. We love the guy. It's just not there the way we remember anymore. And that just is what it is. It's, we have to live with that. Um I think you may see more of Jalen Naylor, not Jalen Rager, the rookie Jalen Naylor, because Rager kind of played his way out of the starting lineup or the lineup at all with how he played against the Indianapolis Colts. Now you can kind of coach some stuff up. You can fix those issues. But if you have two major issues like that in the course of a game on seven snaps, how can I trust you to not have one over the course of like 20 snaps? You're probably going to have two, maybe three, like just based on the law of averages, right? It's you can't put him onto the field as a wide receiver at this point. So I would expect them to really think about getting Jalen Naylor some touches, because if one of those guys goes down, they're going to have to give one of these uh, guys who are fourth to fifth and sixth on the depth chart some real run. And I think Naylor is the guy who can be that third option. Uh, when you need him to at the wide receiver position, he's shown a couple flashes in the preseason. Yeah, you drafted him as a speed threat. So now all of a sudden you have a guy you can take vertical and make things easier under, underneath in the intermediate route uh, areas for Justin Jefferson. Like that's when you run dagger concepts. That's when you run sail floods. Like you can clear out a safety and a deep defender with a speed guy. And that's what Naylor is, but he's not just a speed guy. He can do little bit of everything. And the fact that Thielen's lost a step, as Aaron kind of opines in the comments, it look, you you have to deal with it, and you have to figure out how you're going to deal with it. No, Larry Fitzgerald dealt with it. He became a power slot for a decade. Mm-hmm. And it worked great. With how it, this offense runs, uh, how is that going to work for Thielen? Because it's not exactly, hey, you're a slot receiver. You have three guys who kind of play everywhere. How is that going to work here? That is one thing I'm not 100% sure on. Well, and Thielen's hands are great, right? He may have lost a step, but his hands are great. I suspect Mm -hmm. he's going to take the route of Fitzgerald before that Chris Carter, um, where he's the possession guy, right? Get out to the the first down marker, catch the ball on the sideline, boom. In the red zone, boom, catches touchdowns. And that's going to become more of his role moving forward, and especially, I think, next season, because I think they yeah. keep Adam Thielen because of his contract. And that's just the way we see it. It's it's 
You know, we loved him when his in his prime. He did great consecutive hundred yard game after game after game after game. And he's doing so so well. But as you age, you know, things slow down a bit. Uh, we see it with Patrick Peterson versus when he was younger and in his, in his prime. But he can still take that and be productive, used well, and be a surefire money. And that's what I think this squad is going to be doing as it sort of morphs. Obviously, J.J.'s number one. Thielen's going to sort of rotate out of the number two slot. Whoever takes it, K.J. or Naylor moving up or whoever it is, or a draft choice next year, whatever it is, they're going to do that. And you'll see Thielen as that solid three. Need a first down, I'll get you a first down, throw it to the sidelines, I got it type player. Mm-hmm. And you need those on football teams. They help. No, you really do need those. And it really strengthens my opinion, Dave, that the Vikings need to target a wide receiver in round one. And they need to more than they need to attack corner, more than they need to attack edge. Now, all this is dependent on what they do in free agency, how they try to modify the money on this roster. Do they let go of Zadarius Smith? who's going to cost $14 million on the cap, whereas I think he would cost a couple million dollars uh, in dead money if you got rid of him. Now, the, there are going to be some really difficult conversations here, Dave, because and, the cap and, is so tight. And we I, have I'm just time to talk those. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm, I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole, but there's that's why I, I think that wide receiver needs to be a priority, and we're kind of talking about it here with Adam Thielen. You need to have a guy that you can trust to be a – true secondary option to Justin Jefferson. Right now, the Vikings don't have it. KJ, I don't think will ever get there. I think he's going to be a great number three, an okay number two, and that's not what you want to have opposite Justin Jefferson. I think that's why receiver is going to be that guy. Dave, one thing I want to talk about, and we kind of mentioned edge rushers just a moment ago, Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter was excellent on Sunday and he, or Saturday, and he made his name felt early on. By getting a sack, I believe it was on the second play of the game on Daniel mm-hmm. Jones. He made his presence felt early and often, led the team with seven pressures and two sacks. Hunter was a menace. He was fantastic. And one thing that I noticed, Ed Donatel, somebody got in his ear. Donatel had his hand in the ground almost all game. Which and is Hunter great. looked like his old self. And at a certain point, you need to ask yourself, hey, is this guy going to be able to stand up? You know what? It's okay if Hunter can't stand up. He's so good with his hand in the ground. Make it work. Put him at a wide nine with his hand in the ground. That's the same as him standing up, right? Really doesn't make too much of an impact. Right. And if let uh, him do what he does best. If Donatello's thinking or if somebody else is, crunch the numbers. How much more valuable is Daniil Hunter rushing from the edge versus dropping back in coverage? Mm-hmm. To me, it's obvious. You rush him from the edge. And you can rush him from a two-point stance. You could rush him from a three-point stance. Whatever's most comfortable for him and you get the most production out of is the way you go. And it's as simple as that. And why Ed Donatel has had a hard time seeing that this season, I have no idea. He is the fifth-rated edge rusher in the league. Right now, he is literally that good, and he do, and he seems quiet. The season seems quiet and disjointed to us for him because he's taking so long to learn this 
Ed Donatel defense. It's he's still that talented, and you can get him going. And he's literally only 28 years old, as we all know, and he's got many prime years left. Take advantage of what he does well. But any def- any offense or defensive coordinator should be taking advantage of the players they have and then modifying their uh, their scheme within their scheme, modify it to take advantage of that. And I think that's the talking to that Ed got a couple weeks ago is to know, make sure this happens. You should be able to do this. And you do that, you increase your chances of winning. And that's what we all are here for. Win, win, win. No, that's Dave. That's a hundred percent what we are all, all what we are all here for. It <laughs> and is, you're not even drinking yet. Well, I, I I had a couple beers, um, but I'm not really drinking per se. It's look, it's Christmas. I am enjoying the fact that it is a holiday and I can just relax and. This Vikings team is not going to give us a lot of time to relax because, Dave, we need to move on. They beat the Giants. They beat another team over 500, which I think is. And most likely a playoff team. Before we move on, what do you think of that Greg Joseph 61-yarder? Good. Hell yeah. That was great to see, Dave. They, They have not had a lot of opportunities to really be able to put nails in the coffin and I mean so like you know what I think I'm kind of roundabout talking here because even like Greg Joseph now has five game-winning kicks in the fourth quarter overtime this year and that is a franchise record believe it or not this team is figuring out ways to win football games and look I buried Greg Joseph Mm-hmm. This is for you, Cody Abbott. I hope you're listening. I yeah. buried Greg Joseph multiple times in both written and audio form. That look, so he has do we need to, two records on Saturday. The team, team and personal best, 61-yard field goal, and the most game-winning kicks mm-hmm. in fourth quarter overtime in team history. Both awesome numbers. And we talked a lot about getting rid of him because he kept missing extra points and he missed all of his misses are from 50 plus, which in a vacuum, isn't that big of a deal because 50 plus kicks are hard to make. But when you miss five in a row, like he did, mm-hmm. you, you start to have real questions and well, something was obviously off. Yep. And I think but, they've fixed it to a point. You wanted to talk about records from yesterday before we move on to the cheesers. I did. Vikings set multiple records. Start with TJ Hawkinson. Most catches by tight end in team history. 13 of them for 108 yards and two touchdowns. Good for TJ Hawkinson. Look, this was the arguably the best trade in Vikings history. Uh, when you account for the draft capital given up or received and the performance of the player when they came in. Obviously, you have Jared Allen. Um, the Stefan Diggs trade brought you Justin Jefferson. This trade, tremendous, because what Hawkinson has been able to do for this team is provide a true number two option. And 
a top tier tight end is still cheaper than a number two wide receiver by about five million bucks. So when they have to extend Hawkinson after next year, or they do so during the offseason and try to minimize that nine million dollar cap hit, there are well, things that they, they can could, do. They give him the fifth year extension if they want. I don't know what yeah, that sits at money wise. So. It's about nine million dollars. He's already getting that. But okay. what they what they can do, right. Dave, they can figure things out. They can kind of rip up that contract, and then by ripping up that contract, they're basically starting over from scratch. So they can like convert, like they can convert that into complete signing bonus, and then spread it out over the course of five years. Therefore, getting rid of about $8 million from the cap next year. That's with an extension. So let's say they give him four years, $60 million. And they, so it ends up being a five year, $69 million contract. And then you can get his cap hit down year one to like, I don't know, like 2 million bucks, 3 million bucks. And then that makes a big impact. And then you're already planning for the fact that the new uh, NFL Sunday ticket deal, which in theory should add approximately $7.5 million of the cap just from that TV deal because of how revenue sharing goes. And then that gets added on to the salary cap. Those things make a big difference. And Hawkinson has already proven that one, he's the perfect tight end for the system because of what his body type is. He's a big guy. He can run routes and he's not slow. He is an athlete down the field. He showed that against the giants with that touchdown catch in the corner. He can run away from people. He can run through people, and his blocking is significantly improved as well. I loved the trade for Hawkinson, and it's proving out to be a great one. Um, Aaron asks where uh, Irvine I are. Um, he might start practicing soon. They kind of talked about it a week or two ago that he was getting close. When he got injured in Arizona, they said eight to ten weeks. And mm-hmm. right now, I believe, Dave, it like th- it'll be nine weeks on Sunday. So you're right in that window. I'm guessing Irv Smith Jr. will be back for the playoff game. And if he's back for the playoff game, Dave, that's tremendous. I like You're talking about the Vikings could live in 12 personnel, not have to worry about a third wide receiver. You can rotate Thielen and Osborne. You have Jefferson. And you can, you can use that 12 personnel as like four wide because of their skill sets. They're good blockers. That's why having a tight end that's really good is so valuable because you can run routes and you can block. Like all those things make such a big difference. And TJ Hawkinson has probably been the most pivotal piece to this Vikings team since he came here because it stretches defenses out in a way that they weren't able to do with Justin Jefferson um, before him. Because Irv Smith Jr. is not drawing near the attention or getting anywhere close to the production Hawkinson is. You can talk about, oh, I don't want to trade within the division. Who cares? That, that honestly, Dave, that's an antiquated point. You you don't need you don't need to worry about that. That is an old school way of thinking. Now, if you have an equal trade with the Packers and then let's say the Ravens, you take the Ravens trade, right? Because they're equal. But if the best trade is offered from someone in your division, don't be afraid. Look, if you're trading and they go up and take Jamison Williams, well, you obviously prefer the trade more than Jamison Williams, so why are you complaining about it, you know? Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I like 
how they're handling things. I like that the Vikings are trying to be aggressive and they're trying to be smart because they made the trade for Hawkinson knowing they have an extra year of team control. And it's less than $10 million over the course of two years. Smart play. And Hawkinson is paying that off in big time because it's like 12, 13 receptions, 109 yards, and a and two touchdowns. Yeah, um, that'll do, Dave. That'll do. That'll do real nicely. And he's earned his way to the Pro Bowl. Now, that's mostly a beauty contest, but hey, he's got to love it. And every picture you see of him after a game or any time, he's got this big grin on his face. And he loves being here in Minnesota. This has been a win-win situation for the team and for him. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Oh, 100%. I love uh, where this Vikings team is trending. And let's kind of talk about more of these records. Justin Jefferson set two team records, Dave, two of them. And they were held by Hall of Famers, Chris Carter and Randy Moss. Chris Carter caught 122 balls in 1994 and 1995, which bested Herman Moore's record, I believe, from 1993 when he caught 121. Now, Carter held that for quite a while until Marvin Harrison broke it, I believe, with 146 in 2009. Um, I'll take your word I for think, it. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. And those little nuances make such a big difference, Dave. They really do. Um, Jefferson not only bested that with his 123rd catch. That was the tunnel screen, by the way. He also passed Randy Moss with his first catch of the day with the most receiving yards in team history. Now he's at near 1,800. Listen, I, I really don't think there's any way to describe Justin Jefferson other than he might, but within a couple years, be the best player this franchise has ever had. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't try to speak in hyperbole, and I really don't think I am. The, how this guy is playing, what he's doing, how he's able to carry a team from the wide receiver position, it's really not something we've ever seen. And we... The That's Vikings why he arguably, needs to be in the actual MVP voting because he we'll, is we'll doing so that. much. Justin Jefferson could easily go down as the best receiver of all time, mm-hmm. but based on based on how things are trending, and I think if, that is the important thing: how things are trending, mm-hmm. um, because we don't want to say that he's going to continue this. We can't expect him to continue this. But there's also no evidence that says he won't continue this. So we're going to use projecting because we don't want to count any chickens before they hatch. We don't want to put any potential curses or anything like that on Jefferson um, or speak too soon on anything. Jefferson, The way Jefferson's playing looks like he's going to end up being the best receiver of all time, considering his age, considering how early he's doing it, like all those things. He's got to stay healthy and he's got to play – just as long as uh, Rice did, you know, and Rice had the advantage of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. But he, it, it, it all has to work into there. But he has the potential to do just that, and we hope he does. And we hope it's all in purple. So I, I love what we're seeing from JJ, and Dave, he gets my Dave. vote for MVP if I had a vote, but I don't. Mm-hmm. let's power through these other ones um we kind of already mentioned them um kevin o'connell uh broke dennis green's uh team record 
of most wins by a first-year head coach uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, um, breaking Dennis Green's record in 1992 of 11 wins and when he got his 12th. Good for Kevin O'Connell. We also talked about the historic uh, marker of 11 one-score victories. That best, the 1978 Houston Oilers and the 2013 Seattle Seahawks. Like They both had 10 wins, but they each had two and three losses, respectively. Very impressive that the Vikings were able to do it without having a loss in those games. And lastly, uh, we talked about Greg Joseph. So a lot of records. But let's talk about this Justin Jefferson MVP case because I'm going to say I don't agree that he should be involved in the MVP race. Based on some uh, interesting factors now, I think he's arguably the most valuable player in the NFL. But we we have all these uh, analytics that tell us so much data. Um, mm. Oh, Mary, we'll get to that after this. Thank you for reminding me because I am mad about these clock management abilities. Um, but receivers just aren't that valuable in comparison to quarterbacks. And because we have the advent of analytics and being able to understand the context of what's going on on the football field with data, a non-quarterback will probably never win the award again. Is that fair, Dave? That's a whole completely different argument, but I think we just need to, it's almost like we have to understand that and just kind of accept it. Um, I, I don't think anybody's getting any first place votes from Patrick Mahomes this year. I really don't. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is, most likely the one that's going to win it. But mm-hmm. if you take EPA, subtract that individual from the team, right? And how much how much does that individual contribute? Obviously, a quarterback touches the ball every offensive play. He's got to. But I still think if you take J.J. away, we're not 12-3. and three. J.J. has carried a lot of this team this season and you can make an argument that yes um Patrick Mahomes did he lost his favorite wide receiver you know people get hurt all that yada yada and they still keep winning in Kansas City and he's obviously a great quarterback and he's on a brilliant uh trajectory with his career as well but I think what means more to those victories, obviously, you almost have to wait it. Um, but I think JJ, what he's done for the Vikings versus him not being there versus obviously, if you had a backup in Kansas City, are they going to do as well? No, um, there's going to be a drop in both. But I still, if they're if they're going to make the MVP award. Strictly quarterbacks, then call it the quarterback MVP award or something like that, and then have player of the year or you know that's somebody else and give that to JJ. But right now it's all bunched up into the same, and we haven't had a running back since Peterson did it in the 2000 yard season. If JJ busts. 2,000 yards, and all he needs is to average 122 yards per these next two games. If he can do that, love to see him do it this weekend against the Packers up in Lambeau, because then you could go throw out the, well, you know, he he made the record in a 17-game season, but if he does it in 16, you, get, you know, 
you can screw all that bullshit and say he did it in 16. He would have beat it before. Um, but it's if he does that 122, 122, he makes 2,000. 2,000 has never been achieved by a wide receiver. That is amazing. And it should get him in the conversation. And it's just, I'm advocating for J.J. to win it because of what he's meant and how much more points we've gotten, how we've enabled those comebacks. Yeah, it takes Kirk Cousins to throw it to him. But he has pulled that out. We've acknowledged Kirk Cousins isn't having his best statistical year, right? He's not always been on target this time. He J.J. has meant the most, in my opinion, to those wins more than Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. It's hard to say, but I still want J.J. Screw Patrick Mahomes. He has plenty of time to win more of them. <laughs> Look, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I don't disagree with it, but I also think that quarterback is just so much more inherently valuable, and I just think that that's, that's the direction of the award. But I will say this. Justin Jefferson, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, is minus 800 to win Offensive Player of the Year, which is just the most outstanding offensive player. It has nothing to do with the, the term value, which I think is a, a big differentiator right. here, Dave. And the next be- best, Tyreek Hill, plus 1,400. So his odds are basically insurmountable unless he snaps his fibula on play one and Tyreek Hill puts up 404 touchdowns. But like that's kind of what I'm saying. Um, It's almost impossible for him to not win the award, and I think that's a really big deal. Um, I also think that even like if JJ ends up having 200 yards and two touchdowns each of the next two weeks, I think he's going to get some votes, but. That the way the award works, and I know it like goes with, to with age, like what's interesting, and obviously analytics weren't nearly as big, and there weren't nearly as many data points and models to help us better understand the game at that point in 2012. But Peyton Manning had a pretty historic season himself, mm-hmm. coming back from that neck injury, dominating with. Uh, the Denver Broncos and Adrian Peterson still won it by absolutely carrying a lifeless Vikings organization to the playoffs with 2,097 yards. I don't know if what Jefferson has done is going to put him on a level like that, where he can overcome what guys like Mahomes have done this season. I'd have to ponder that. I like how you said that. That was very well punned, Dave. That is, that is why I enjoy having you on as a producer on this show. One of many reasons. Um, let's move on because we need to talk about that stupid team next door, the Green Bay Packers. Now, the Packers are riding a nice little heater, a three-game winning streak. They're now 7-8. and eight. Their playoff chances at their lowest were at 5%. Now they're up to 30. They went out there, have a good chance of getting the playoffs, but they're still going to need some help. And that help is going to come from the Detroit Lions more than likely. Two losses by the Lions to end the year. Look, it's the roar is not restored. If you watch that game on sat on Saturday, it was brutal. The, I didn't the, see it, but I saw the score. and was oh, wondering what the heck is going on. Dave, as a guy who loves the round bellies, you would love Carolina's performance. They ran 
for 243 yards in the first half and averaged more than 10 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Woof. That, that was a very impressive ass kicking. Um, it was you. You should go back and watch it for entertainment purposes. You okay. will enjoy yourself watching Carolina. Um, let's address Brian's question. Then we need to really talk about the Packers. There should be awards for essentially each position or unit, and there should be a way to equate position to position. A QB winning every year is boring. I want tackle to win the MVP at some point. I understand his frustration. I agree with his frustration, but in reality, it's just not going to happen. You, uh, I'm going to equate this to professional wrestling, Dave. And the reason I'm equating it to professional wrestling is they have the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. If you've ever heard of it, it's run by Dave Meltzer. He's been writing about professional wrestling for 40 years. He has his own awards, and the awards are segmented. There is an MVP where you equate everything, merchandise sales, um, ability to um, r- sell out a big house, like attendance and your in-ring performance. It equates all of that. Then they have the most outstanding wrestler where it's only your ability in the ring. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now, I, I understand where you're coming from, that you they kind of already have that system with the Offensive Defensive Player of the Year, and then you also have all, the All-Pro teams, which tell you, hey, this guy's the best. Now, if you want to have a The All-Pro another... team is the best gauge mm-hmm. right now, in my opinion. Yes. Now, if you want to have a system where okay you only have a b and c like uh, i i I guess i just don't see the pathway to kind of what brian's ideal scenario is here where you have a a true most outstanding and then an mvp because of how the award system are set up because you have um whatchamacallit you have the all pro system i love his enthusiasm his idea I, I, I just don't see a plausibility behind it. And he says I sound desperate. Um, well, thank you, I guess. Um, I it, It's just a tough one because I don't think any tackle, like even Trent Williams, Trent Williams over Riley Reef. I don't think he becomes the most valuable player on a franchise, you know. Um, and I, I just think with the inherent value that we're seeing a quarterback and how a quarterback can really make or break your team, a la the New York Jets, I think that just means something more. And I I, I don't see how it's going to change, unfortunately, even though it um, mm-hmm. it pr- probably should. Um, Brian, they've actually been in the same amount of Super Bowls. Packers have been to four. They've won three. The Vikings have been to four and won zero. Um, but let's talk uh, about that and, team. And as I was going to say, and they've had two uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the last 30 years, and they've only won two. Yeah. Oh, hold on. No, they've well, been to Packers five. Have been. Packers have been to five and one. They won four. their first two I, with Bart Starr. I forgot. No, I forgot about the Rogers Super Bowl. I was remembering the Bart Starr and the um, uh, the two Brett Favre Super Bowls. Oh, it was, it was for the chat. Oh, okay, Brian, you're good. I, I we like to have fun here. You know that. Um, it, this is this is about having fun with quality analysis and not. Not, you know, this isn't a shock <laughs> jack. This isn't all serious. I like to have fun. Hell, got one of these babies. So we're, we're going to have a good time. Let's talk about the Packers. They went out. They're probably in the playoffs, Dave. It, they are three-and-a-half-point favorites right now at home against the Minnesota Vikings. How do you feel about that line? 
it's no different than every game this season so far, a majority of them. Uh, Vegas started at three and a half. I saw it got down to three today. Yep. Um, it's Vegas is trying to move money. Vegas is trying to win money. That's what Vegas does. So they said it that way. And they're usually right. Um, however, if you bet the line with Vikings games this year, you didn't do so well overall because the Vikings keep winning. So, yeah. Um, the Vikings against the spread this season are 6 8 and 1. So, mm-hmm. even if you're just betting the Vikings against the spread, like last week was a brutal one. Three and a half point favorites, win by three. That's a loss against the spread. And right. that's why it is so incredibly difficult to bet against the spread, which is why if you follow college football, I am 13 and five so far in bowl season against the spread, baby. That's amazing. Um, you're not going to find, you're not going to find many better than me out there. Um, the only one who's better is good friend of the show. Uh, Thor Nystrom of fantasy pros. You can also hear him on before we die and score North purple daily feed. Look, and Let's both of you the- are doing scouting at the same time. Thor and Tyler yep. are great uh, scouts. Part of their business models, what they do is they evaluate talent from an analytic point of view, reporting point of view, and they present it to us as we'll get closer to the draft. Mm-hmm. We'll have more and more of that. And both do it in an outstanding manner, and we've got to love that. But – until the Viking season's over, all I care about are the Vikings and that they beat Aaron Rodgers this weekend. Now, yes, the Packers have won the last few games, but who have they played? Well, they beat the Dolphins. I actually have it pulled up. We yeah. have a Packers fan in the chat. It looks like Green Queen. Thank you for oh, yes. joining us. Um, we we appreciate all all viewpoints and all people who come in here respectfully, and I appreciate you doing that. Um, look, the they beat the Bears at uh, on the road um, uh, by a score of twenty eight to nineteen. That was a very competitive game. We know how the Bears have uh, been able to really play some good football. Um, they beat the Rams at, at home twenty four to twelve. Uh, the Rams are kind of the Rams, um, and then they just beat the Dolphins on the road yesterday. 26 to 20, and they finished with their last two games at home against division opponents. The Vikings, um, which this Vikings Packers game, Dave, will be on CBS, believe it or not. Woohoo! Um, Over the air, which means my Sunday ticket gave me all of like four or five games this season. Hey, you know what? Four or five games is four or five games. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Um, and then uh, the Lions to finish off the season. My biggest concern with this Packers team right now is what are you going to get from Aaron Rodgers? And Aaron Rodgers is a tremendous quarterback. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. My biggest concern with him is he does not like to play within structure well. He does not like to do it consistently. He loves to be Aaron Rodgers and play hero ball. And he's great at it. But if you can also contain hero ball, a lot more than you can contain within structure play. So how is Rodgers going to approach this game? He had issues with Mike Zimmer. Zimmer gave him fits year after year, no matter what the personnel was. And that's how we got that famous DJ Wanham sack, which honestly I need to find a picture of and, and frame it because that was just beautiful. But the biggest thing I've is... i got my artwork of it. 
Ooh, we may have to talk. Um, the biggest <laughs> thing for me, Dave, is what Aaron Rodgers are you going to get? That's that's my big concern right now. Well, and Watson Rodgers, possibly being out. That's huge mm-hmm. because you know what? They have some good receivers, but Watson's their only real game breaker. And when you only have good receivers, you don't have a trump card. Devontae Adams was a trump card for years because of the chemistry he had with Rodgers and the things he could do running a route and manipulating coverage. Romeo Dubs, good player. Alan Lazard, good player. Randall Cobb was a good player. Now is average, and he's just kind of past his prime. Who scares you in that wide receiver group? Nobody really does. Now, I think Dobbs can be good in a couple years. I liked him coming out of Nevada a lot, and I was very sad that he was um, he went to the Green Bay Packers. But at the end of the day, Dave, nobody scares me. And if he doesn't play well within um, within structure, I think that could spell disaster for the Packers with what this defense is able to do, getting pressure. Um, and they struggled a little bit, but I think they're gonna they might spy Rodgers more than they did Daniel Jones, just because. You have Aaron Rodgers, and what he's able to do with his arm is worse than what Daniel Jones can do with his arm. And you just kind of live with the fact that Jones is just going to get some rushing yards, but he's not going to torch you down the field when you attack him when he's scrambling. And Rodgers is able to do that, and we, we've seen that year after year after year. He's scrambling, and all of a sudden he just flicks his wrist 30 yards downfield in completion, like to the likes of Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver. I, I, like, I hate the end of half Hail Marys that he's so successful at. Rod, Aaron Rodgers has been a pain in our backside for a long time. Now, we're decent at beating him and going against him, whether it be under Zimmer or Kirk Cousins is, has a good record against him. But uh, – yep. It's it's going to be a tough game. Yes, there's motivation for Zadarius Smith, first time back in Green Bay. Gotta love that. Um, it's just we hope that this game lives up to the billing, and uh, it, it'll be fun to watch. Now, what is the weather in Green Bay on Sunday? That is a great question. I'm going to pull it because up. We know it could be a factor. Okay, so at approximately 3 o'clock on Sunday right now, you're looking at it 35 degrees with 84% humidity, 12% chance of snow and rain, um, that kind of combo because of the warm temperatures. We're looking at an actual good weather game considering the time of year. So It's I'm a take balmy that a day in in December. Yes. It is a very balmy day. Um, I'm looking forward to this game. I hope that the Vikings are able to yeah. figure it out and pull it out. Um, yeah, Green Queen, I'm with you. I think Rodgers does need to start taking the blame. If Rodgers was more willing to play within the context of an offense and using his ability to play hero ball and not rely on the hero ball, I think you're looking at a quarterback who plays much better. And this is coming from a, a guy that won the last two MVP awards. You're not talking about a Russell Wilson decline. It's he could do better playing within the structure of the offense. And if he does, 
this team can be really dangerous. And if they get in as a seven seed, they can make some real waves because they just had a rough stretch and they're figuring it out at the right time. Um, I don't be surprised if we lose this game. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Expect to win. Mm-hmm. This Vikings team is 12 and three for a reason. Expect to get the victory, but exercise cautious optimism. Is this, it's still a rivalry game on the road. This Packers team is playing very good football. Be ready to go. Game changer 16. This weather, who cares? The weather is what it is. Yep. Bingo. Um, and, and Brian, then, the wind forecast is around five, five to seven miles an hour, which is a gentle. But point. we're also, yeah, we're also six days out. So that could change. Um, Dave, that is our show tonight. Um, we, we got a lot of fun stuff talked about. We got a lot done. Um, what do we have coming up for the viewers the rest of the week? Should be a normal week. We have Vikings happy hour on Wednesday. We have Vikings hot takes on Thursday. We have Darren and myself on two old bloggers back to our normal time on Saturday because the game's on Sunday. And then, of course, in the final two minutes, we go live with the final score. And Aaron, it's not going to be windy. So that's not five miles an hour is nothing. Not a big deal. I am optimistic that we go from 12 and 3, baby, to hopefully 13 and 3 and put the Packers out of their misery and end their season. Bingo, bango, bongo. Um, listen, thank you all for joining. Last week's episode of The Real Forno Show was the best we have ever had. Thank you all so much for listening and watching along. Um, it means a lot. Please keep checking out all the content of Vikings Wire and all the other great shows on the network. If you didn't know, Matt from Vikings Happy Hour is now on the Vikings Wire staff, so there's more of a reason to check out what we are doing. Um, Not to listen. mention the great sports dad of Minnesota, Mr. Judd Zolgad. He had a nice mm-hmm. article out today, as a matter of fact. Yes, talking about how the Vikings dodged a bullet with uh, not hiring Nathaniel Hackett. And I, w- I was glad that they didn't because I was out 100% on Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach. I didn't understand it. I didn't get the hype. And we're, sh- we're seeing why. Um, it was an adjunct disaster in Denver. Um, but thank you all for joining. Please um, keep supporting the show. Like, subscribe, comment, do all the things that make a difference to help us so we can continue bringing this to you. Um, Please do the same. If you're listening on the podcast feed, like subscribe five stars, you know how the drill goes. Um, This will be the last time that I see you guys in the year 2022. Thank you for tuning in all year. Um, The real Forno show is as we've been, I've been doing Monday nights for a long time, but the real Forno show has been going strong for the last eight months since we started this. Because of you guys, thank you so much. Have a happy and wonderful new year. And Dave, as we like to say, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.